Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Maureen Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to talk about comic book accuracy and whether or not that matters for a TV show based on comics. But before we get into that topic, we need to catch up on... The News. Well, we have some sad news to start with this week. For the first time in its 50-year history, Comic-Con International has announced that there will be no San Diego Comic-Con in 2020. And the next planned event will be July 22nd through the 25th, 2021. Uh, Morgan, I think we all kind of saw this coming. But it's still kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's like it's weirdly surprising, even though it like obviously, obviously had to happen. I think I said um, before, but like on a good year, I came back from Comic-Con with tonsillitis. Yeah. So like you're you're taking your life in your hands going to Comic-Con on a plague <laughs> year. Like the con crud is <laughs> not going to be good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sad for every, I mean, I don't I don't go to San Diego Comic-Con. Maybe one day I'll get out there. Uh, but I'm I'm just bummed for everybody who enjoys going and it's something you you might do every year and it's maybe a place where you see friends. So I'm I'm bummed for those people who have that experience cuz that's like me and Dragon Con. And so I'm I'm anticipating a Dragon Con uh cancellation at some point. So it, if if I think about my Dragon Con experience and how upset I would be over that being canceled, I can imagine that's very a, a very similar situation for people who go to San Diego every year. So, I'm I'm really sorry for everybody who who um, won't be able to get to go this year. But I guess this is the best thing for everybody, and at least they uh, they have something planned for the next year. So I guess there is something to look forward to. Yeah, hopefully at San Diego Comic Con 2021 will be even better. Yes, they'll have way more time to plan. <laughs> the, the booths will be even more elaborate. <laughs> that is true. Um, so in better and more positive news, Podchaser.com has been so blown away by the responses to their reviews for Good Initiative that they've extended the donation period through the end of April, uh, which is awesome. They'll continue to s- uh, send 25 cents to Meals on Wheels for every review and reply that are written on podchaser.com. And not only are they doubling the donation window, uh, but they've teamed up with Libsyn, who will match all donations on podcasts hosted by their platform up to uh, 1500 
And Captivate will match all p- donations on podcasts hosted by their platform up to seven fifty. So if you haven't done so yet, uh, go to podchaser.com and write a podcast and or episode review for Supergirl Radio and help Podchaser, Libsyn, and Captivate raise money for Meals on Wheels. And then if we reply to that um, that review... That's another extra, some extra money. Yeah, it uh, doubles it up. So uh, I'm very thankful to all the listeners who have already left us reviews on Podchaser and have helped us raise some money on meals uh, for for Meals on Wheels. Uh, We've gotten some podcast reviews and we've also gotten some individual episode reviews. So that's something that you can do if you if you really like that Nicole Maines interview, you can go and leave a review for that episode specifically, and that can help raise money for Meals on Wheels. So um, it, it's really easy. It's something uh, you can do uh, for free that would help raise money for a good cause. So I would encourage everybody, if you haven't done it yet, go to podchaser.com, create, create an account, and uh, then just write a whole bunch of reviews for not only Supergirl Radio, although we would appreciate that, but you can write reviews for any of your favorite podcasts, and that helps uh, raise money for Meals on Wheels and what they're doing. So I think it's a great idea, and I'm really glad that they're extending this uh, promotion and this uh, initiative to uh, uh, for an, a couple of... Mm, let's see, what is today? Today is the 21st, so... I uh, might get another week out of this. So I'm glad that they're extending this to the end of the month. So people who haven't maybe gotten a chance to to do this and participate uh, will get a chance to do so. So uh, please go to podchaser.com and uh, write a review because uh, that helps everybody out. All right, and before we get into our discussion about comic book accuracy, uh, I just want to do a short follow-up to our Supergirl Radio episode on HomeCon, which seems appropriate for uh, this week's podcast uh, discussion, uh, because in that episode about HomeCon, I was trying to figure out why Julie Gonzalo thought Andrea Rojas was from Central America when in the comics, her first appearance, she's in Mexico City. So I was very confused about that, Uh, but... In response to our episode on HomeCon, New Rachel pointed out on Twitter that Andrea Rojas was born in Guatemala. Uh, was born in Guatemala in the comics. Guatemala is, in fact, part of Central America. So I stand corrected, oh. Julie Gonzalo. Uh, I was not aware of the Guatemala connection. Uh, I probably should have been. But uh, I was so fixated on the first appearance in the Mexico City of it all that I uh, had not piece that together so now i know why julie gonzalo thought andrea rojas was from central america that makes a lot more sense now Mm. so i just wanted to uh make sure that that uh, got corrected for the record and uh i apologize julie gonzalo you were correct (laughs) all right so now since uh we wanted to talk about comic book accuracy i I feel like that's maybe a good segue to talk (laughs) to talk about this uh (laughs) This discussion. So, uh, back in July 2019, one of our listeners, New Rachel, who we just mentioned, who uh, uh, did a great job of correcting me on the, on the record, uh, New Rachel sent us an email back in 2019 with some questions about comic book accuracy and if that makes or breaks the enjoyment of a TV series that's based on comics. Uh, we always wanted to get to Rachel's questions, but never found a really good time to get to them. Mostly because of the TV show having episodes and kind of getting into season five and, you know, things happen. You kind of get behind it. But now 
we have time to get to these questions. So sorry for the delay, New Rachel. Uh, sorry you had to wait so long. But these questions are still just as relevant uh, to what you know to what's going on with the show. And so we're going to get to those questions finally now with this episode. So uh, I I thought Morgan, we could just go down the list of questions that she sent in and just respond yeah. to them as best that we can. So all right. So the first question New Rachel sent in was. What elements from the comics are absolutely necessary to keep for the shows and what elements are open to be changed? So do you have any thoughts on that? Interesting. Um, yeah, I think you want to keep like the heart of the character um, intact and I think you can change other things. Um I think some like some story elements are probably open to change like if you think about it Supergirl never had a sister in the comics. Um, but I think we'd all agree that like the addition of Alex Danvers has been very good for Supergirl to show. And like that relationship is, is such a necessary one. And, and I think it really grounds the show and gives it, you know, that family theme um, and that sister's theme. And so, I mean, so, but I think like, you know, some, some of the places where they've veered a little bit is like when the, character gets so far away from like the character that we knew that it's like almost unrecognizable and I am talking about James the grown man Olsen (laughs) where he was like we've always known Jimmy Olsen as a photographer and then he was a photographer for a little while and then he was a superhero for a little while and then he was a media mogul for a little while and then (laughs) and then he was a superhero again and then he wasn't and then he was and then he left um (laughs) it was just you know those characters that they don't know what to do with And, and and i I kind of feel like, you know, one of the reasons they didn't know what to do with him was because they had gotten him like so far away from like what he was traditionally in the comics. They started him from such a far away point that they were like, oh, we'll just do whatever with him. But they never really settled on one thing. Yeah. And it's it's funny because Jimmy Olsen, like you talk about things that are open to change. I'm okay with the idea that maybe Jimmy Olsen grows up and matures and uh, decides to be a media mogul or I'm okay with him being guardian like i initially i was like oh i hate this and then i kind of grew to kind of like it and then they abandoned it as soon as i (laughs) decided that i liked it but the thing was that there was nothing about him really that made him jimmy olsen you know like there was nothing like he had the jimmy like he had the james olsen name he had the relate he had the friendship with clark he had that backstory with Metropolis and he had a relationship with Lucy, but those are really the only things that tied him to the character of Jimmy. They never really explored him as Jimmy Olsen. And so I think that was where things sort of fell apart for him. But you make a really good point about Alex because she is a, a new character for the Supergirl mythology and she was introduced by the show but uh, there's nothing in the 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 Supergirl mythology that says that if Kara was adopted, that she couldn't be adopted by a family who already had a child. Like there's nothing that yeah. negates that idea because because they, you're already keeping the premise that she gets adopted by a family by a family named the Danvers. So I think that's why I'm open to the Alex thing because in the comics. Uh, Linda 
Linda Lee is adopted by the Danvers family. So at least you're keeping the Danvers aspect of that, the the adoptive parents, the Danvers, you're keeping that intact. So that makes me uh, appreciate that you as a writer are honoring that part of the Supergirl mythology. So I'm more open to going with a little bit of change with the Alex uh, sister dynamic because at least you you've maintained some of that uh, from the comic books. So I think for me, as long as I feel like the writers are trying to honor aspects of the characters and the stories, I'm willing to go with just about anything. And I think you're right that as long as as long as I can see the essence of who that character is, then I, I'm open to change. But I think for Supergirl, especially the TV series, I think for me what's absolutely necessary to keep for the shows are the characters who are important to Supergirl. So yeah. uh, that's why I'm <laughs> that's why I I harp on things like Comet the Superhorse or <laughs> Director Bones or uh let's see who else. I mean, we I mean obviously want Nasty Luther to show up, but like <laughs> the the characters who are important to the um, Supergirl mythology, I would love to see them come on. That's why I think Brainiac 5 should have more story because he is such an important character to Kara, to Supergirl in the comics. And uh, sometimes I think they have too much fun creating new characters like William and Nia and Kelly that they forget about these comic book characters who, I hate to, I don't want it to sound like they're more important because they're comic book characters, but I would like to see them do something with the comic book characters. Like, I like meeting new people, meeting new characters, but I'm also coming to the show with with the knowledge of, man, what would it look like to have Brainiac 5 on a super, you know, a Supergirl TV series? That'd be awesome. So I think for me, if if as long as you bring in characters that I care about from the comics, I I almost don't care what you do with them as long as I feel like you care about them. You know, to to tie it into Supergirl a little bit, like I do get a little resentful when they take in a character and like there's like one or two things about the character say, and it's basically it's just the character name only. And I yeah. am of course talking about Snapper Car. Yeah, like Snapper Car. Had nothing to do with the comic book character. It's like they um, flipped open something, like a like an encyclopedia of comic book characters. They put their finger down on one of them. They're like, "Well, we'll just call him Snack Snapper Car," because there is nothing that had to do with the comic book character. And like at that point, you might as well just make it an original character because then you, people come in with no expectations. Like I get that they're trying to do like some deep cuts to like you know comic book characters like far back but like you know we've got we kind of have that this season with um with andrea rojas and like akrata but she is at the very least somewhat related to her comic book character yeah yeah um but like you know when it comes came to snapper car he was basically just like kind of a grumpy boss that happened to be named snapper car like 
give give the comic book character you can have a different interpretation like that's one of the great things about comics is that you know they're constantly rebooting so if you don't like one version of a character you just have to wait a little while uh and there will be some other version but like it shouldn't be so far away from the character that it has nothing to do with the character yeah the thing with snapper on the show specifically is that they I can't remember if he was on just justice league or jail you um that character that animated version of snapper was a tv reporter but even then that was so like very specific to that show and it they didn't even um have him really doing anything he just he would be in scenes and he would be grumpy and that was about it Um, so that, that was really disappointing for me just because there's so much, when you actually dig into the character of Snapper in his comic book history, he's, he, there's so much there and so much of it is glorious. And I don't even think the people who wrote for the show, I don't even think they realized like, oh, this character snaps, like that's his thing in the comics. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, cause I remember one time, uh, we had, we had like a, tweeting back and forth with Derek Simon I think I want to say it was Derek Simon and maybe Eric Carrasco and they and they even acknowledged like oh we never did do that and I just thought uh, you you never even name (laughs) you never even thought that was a thing to do Uh, so that's one of the frustrating aspects of it for me is that uh, sometimes I don't even think they they know what they don't know. And I guess that we could go into this next question from new Rachel. Um, she asks, how does hiring comic writers or comic fans as writers or actors affect the shows? I mean, I think, I think it's helpful because not every writer is going to be a comic book fan. And I don't think you need to be a, a comic book, like super fan or a comic book writer to write a good Supergirl story because, you know, there are a lot of universal themes in Supergirl stories uh, that you can dive into. But I think it does help to have somebody in that room that knows the history, that knows, you know, here's a here's a great Supergirl villain. We, like, we don't have to take all this, this, the Superman ones. Like, here's a good Supergirl villain. Or who knows, like, oh, hey, in the comics... Supergirl had this plot and like, yeah, it's wacky and might not translate to TV, but like, here's uh, like a modern way into it that we could, we could take. I think it does help to have the comic writers involved in some way. I don't think it's like necessary that they, you know, that the show be only written by comic book writers or, you know, comic book super fans. But I think it's important to like toss one of those people into the room. I think it does make a difference actually. Um, especially from the standpoint of watching Supergirl and wanting it to be a comic book TV show. Because I think that makes a difference whether or not it's just a TV show or if it's a comic book TV show. Because I think a lot of times we get, it's a TV show. But we but sometimes it doesn't feel like a comic book TV show. Like I watched Titans on DC Universe. That is a comic book TV show. That feels like something popped out of DC Comics. Uh, and Supergirl, unfortunately for me, doesn't feel like that all the time. And uh, I think having people in the writer's room who do love the comics, who have knowledge of the comics, who care about them, who are invested in them, that does make a difference. And I know I <laughs> sort of ragged on Derek Simon and Eric Carrasco about the snapper thing, 
But those are two of the writers, I think, on the show who do care about that stuff. Eric Carrasco, I was so bummed when he left the show because I was like, no, you're you're one of the best like writers who cared about the Legion and, uh, you know, spearheaded the Red Daughter stuff. Like, he seemed like he always really loved the comics and loved putting Easter eggs into the episodes and um, really embraced having the, the comic book book aspect of of the characters into the show so i i do think it makes a difference even thinking about um when sterling gates came on and wrote uh mr and mrs Mix, oh yeah or i guess some people say mixoplick uh, mixoplick um he he co-wrote that episode and it, it's one of the more comic booky episodes of the series you know you have the fortress of solitude with the statues and um, the fifth dimension aspects of everything and it just it's you I can tell a difference by somebody who's just writing a tv show wanting to put their agenda into the storyline versus somebody who's like man I want to do a Lex Luthor story where he you know messes something up and does something with Miss Tessmacher like you can tell you can I I, I can at least tell a big difference and I think those people are going to be much more invested in the character and what's going to happen and want to do right by the characters and the storylines. And I think that makes the quality go up because if you really care about that, um, you're going to put everything into it. So I, I do think it makes a difference. And I think, uh, like to your point, I mean, you don't have to be a comic book nerd or a comic book writer to do uh to to do a good episode and vice versa like uh you know I don't think uh comic book writers are necessarily always going to make great TV writers that you know that might not be the case either but I think I would appreciate it if there was more of at least somebody in the room who knew what they were talking about you know so I do, yeah. I do think it makes a difference. I agree. So the third question is, what elements from the comics are unnecessary to include at all and should be left in the comics? What ones can't be included? Hmm. Mm. I'm trying to think about Supergirl specifically. Um, I mean, there are some aspects of at least the Supergirl character where I don't know if they could could even make them work but even like I'm thinking of the Peter David run where that run of the comics is just so bonkers and I love it so much I mean it had demons <laughs> and satanic cults and God was a character and um, Comet the Super Horse and Supergirl are like these angels that have you know Supergirl has fiery wings and even though it's um even though it's off the wall kind of stuff part of me still like well you could you could maybe do something with that in the show like you could still (laughs) you can still make that work i mean supergirl could interact with a demon it's not that impossible um so i i don't know if there's anything that's unnecessary to include i think i think you can do anything you want to with any of those elements from the comics um trying to I'm trying to think of specifics but I I think even with the the more off the wall things you can still you can still make them work like Supergirl having robots in the Silver Age that uh, stayed in the tree whenever she needed somebody to cover for her at the orphanage 
you could still work that into the TV show. That's <laughs> that's still something that could happen. Um, so I think in terms of things being unnecessary or that should be left in the comics and not be brought into the show, I don't think you should... Sh um, personally, I wouldn't want them to shut the door on anything. I think... Uh, I think those doors should still be left open. Yeah, I think personally there are things in the comics, especially when we're talking about like the weird stuff <laughs> <laughs> that is harder to figure out how to um, like incorporate in a more grounded show. But that doesn't mean that you can't like we've spent all season talking about how Lena Luther built herself a robot friend <laughs> and then put it into her um, former enemy. <laughs> That's not a like you. I just explained a storyline that is super crazy, but like it happened on Supergirl and it was fantastic. <laughs> so it's like there's no reason, you know, you you say some of these storylines and they sound crazy, but there's. No reason if you if you like that you can't put it into the story as long as you sort of ground it a little bit um, or just commit to it being weird. Like, <laughs> I think that there's like, you know, we joke about director bones all the time, um, but like certainly there's been things on the show just as weird is director bones yeah uh is so i think i don't think that there is really anything from the comics that can't work on the show as long as it works within like the universe of the show like you just have to uh, some of the shows in the arrowverse kind of take the arrow approach which was arrow was a very different show but it's kind of like a, a, some of the shows seem like they it's like oh it's you know we have to be grounded in some form of reality do you she why <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> like i don't i mean why can't comet the super horse be on there why can't streaky be a real super cat like there's no there's no reason like <laughs> the, the the things that have happened on this show are not less weird than that if you think about it. So, I mean, I think it's like finding ways to, um, to talk about, to, to incorporate that into the show that makes sense. That doesn't feel jarring or out of place. I think that's the problem, like that the writers maybe sometimes get into with some of the comic book things where they think, you know, adding this comic book element is going to be really jarring. It's going to take people out of the show. But like, there are ways to incorporate all of that stuff. Like, I don't think there's anything that's too wacky in the comic books that it can't make its way in. Yeah, I, I was also thinking about the example of Streaky. Um, uh, even though I liked the way they incorporated Streaky into the series, I mean that scene where Kara tells Brainy the story of petting Streaky and Streaky making you know Streaky helping her, you know feel a little more human and and you know realizing things about herself i love that scene it's one of my favorite episodes of the show um but i think they did it that way because they didn't think they could go on full-on cat with heat vision i think they thought that they couldn't make that work because it <laughs> would be goofy and some people may think it might be goofy but i can't tell you how like excited slash disappointed I was when I watched Titans on DC Universe and I saw full-on Crypto the Superdog, White Dog looked just like Crypto, had heat vision, did fly, was hanging out with Superboy. 
I was excited because I was like, oh my gosh, they're literally doing Crypto the Superdog. But then I was disappointed because I thought, well, we could have had something like this on Supergirl, but they chose not to do it this way. And maybe it's a budgetary thing. Maybe they couldn't figure out how they could make it work. Um, but that's one of those things where I guess some people think, oh, well, that that goofy stuff needs to be left in the comics. But it doesn't have to be. It it You can find a way to make that work. And it's actually very rewarding as a comic book fan to be like, oh my gosh, Crypto's a super dog has heat vision. This is amazing. Um, so that that kind of stuff is disappointing um, when when they can't find a way to make it work and and maybe maybe there are other factors that prevent them sometimes from doing the things that they want to do. Maybe the writers want to do it, but the network executives are like, no, that's stupid. Don't do that. I could really totally see that happening too. Yeah. So it may not it may not be something that's you know squarely on them. There there are network notes that get passed down to them, and that uh, sometimes dictates how things go. So it's one of those things where you never know who's who's really making these decisions or not. But um, but it is disappointing when sometimes they they can't incorporate some of the, some of those comic book. Uh, elements into the show director bones one day (laughs) one day why i just i still don't understand we're almost at the end of season five with a tv show about the deo and director bones has never once it hasn't appeared and they've never even mentioned him uh it's just i think that's the kind of stuff where it's like you know if if a character is famously associated with something on your show it's not unreasonable to expect it to pop up <laughs> yes he i mean director bones is the deo it's just it's so mind-boggling to me uh but that's one of those things where i'm like do they even know director bones exists i don't <laughs> i don't know if they do we can tell them all about cyanide sweat <laughs> we know all there is to know about cyanide sweat all right so i guess we could get into new rachel's fourth question here what kind of expectations speaking of expectations uh, what kind of expectations should comic fans have for these shows with regards to how accurate they might be? So do you think, Morgan, are we being too unreasonable? No, yes and no, probably. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, the show is the show. Like, um, I don't know that you can put these expectations on the show when it's kind of been, at, at the very least, kind of consistent in what it's been about since the be- since the beginning. Like, uh, I do know that season one was its own universe. Um, <laughs> but from season two on, uh, it has been kind of consistent. So, like, yeah, a skeleton man might feel weird within the confines of the show. But I think we would go with it. We would roll with it. I don't think we're being unreasonable by asking, you know, for Nasty Luther or <laughs> um, for Director Bones or that Snapper Snapped or, you know, any of the other things that we asked. Judith Light. I think that one's very reasonable. <laughs> I think that's doable. I think that there are like a lot of expectations. Like if this show has set up a character is a certain way, like um, – Jimmy Olsen, for instance, like we were introduced to uh, to him and he was, you know, James, the grown man Olsen. He was doing this and he was doing that. And like, I think if if you're watching the show and you're like, well, it's not he's not exactly like he is in the comics and you're still, you know, 
episodes into the television show that's established a character one way, like still mad about it. Like it's not going to change like that. It is what it is. You have to either accept it and like roll with the punches or you have to be like, this is maybe not for me. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm pretty, pretty good about being open-minded about people having their own way to tell the stories and their own interpretation of the characters. I'm, I'm pretty willing to see where a story goes. I mean, one of my favorite films of all time is Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. A lot of people hate that film because they're like, oh, Superman would never act like that. Batman would never act like that. And I'm like, well, in that film, they do. That's the choices that the storytellers made, and it's a great story. So I'm like, I'm willing to hear a storyteller out for what they want to do with the characters and the the show or the film. Um, but I think there's there's a little bit of uh, trust that has to be earned. I know that sounds harsh, but as a viewer, if I'm going to go into a comic book uh adaptation i need to feel like you you at least kind of know what you're talking about and if i do feel like you've you've earned that because you've shown me that you understand the characters at least a little bit or at least the essence of who that character is i'm willing to go with anything uh that you have so i i do think in terms of what kind of expectations Low expectations, I find, are always <laughs> the best kind of expectations to have. Because if you have too high of an expectation, if you're like, Superman has to smile all, all the time. Like, he can never frown. He can never be upset. He can never have doubts. <laughs> you're gonna be disappointed. There's gonna be a day where Tyler Hecklin's Superman is gonna be sad. Something bad is going to happen to that Superman and he's not going to be smiling and winking at the camera all the time. So if you have <laughs> those high expectations, you're going to be really upset when he's when he's sad because you just think, oh, Tyler Hecklin, Superman, he, he just he has to smile every second that he's on screen. So if you have those kinds of expectations, you're always going to be disappointed. Always, 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 always. But if you go into it with a well, tell me a story. That usually, for me, is a good way into it. But for me, the problem with Supergirl, specifically with the TV series, is that sometimes I think that they have not, even five seasons in, there are some elements of the show that I don't know that they've earned it for me as a viewer. Sometimes, like, with the fact that, like, Supergirl feels like a minor character. It makes me feel mm -hmm. like you don't care about Supergirl as a character. And that filters down to everything else. Like, how, um, you know, there's really no emphasis on Kara and Alex as sisters anymore. There's no uh, exploration of Supergirl's comic book mythology anymore. There's, there's no, uh, trying to work any of that stuff in, you know, we don't go to Argo anymore. We don't meet streaky, <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't meet, uh, any more super pets, you know, we don't get to meet any, uh, Legion of superhero characters anymore. It's just, it's just one of those things where it's like when one of those things is knocked down, I kind of see it filtering into other as aspects of the show and it just brings the whole show down. It's like a it's like a house of cards. Like when that one thing, when Supergirl isn't the priority anymore, 
then that that one card gets knocked down and the whole thing falls apart. So for me, it's that one expectation that I have, that low, low expectation that I have that the show called Supergirl is about Supergirl, when that is my only expectation for the show, <laughs> and it's it's destroyed, then I have a hard time jumping back on board. So that's that's my low expectation that still hasn't even really been met. So I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, if I explain that well uh, or not, but... Uh, in terms of kind of expectations, I find it best to always have low expectations. Then at least you're rarely to be disappointed. Yeah, I think especially if it's like a character that's near and dear to your heart, like you should probably lower those expectations down because it's never going to be what you think it's going to be. Like it's just uh, probably not going to be exactly what you want. Like few things are. Um, but I, I do agree. Like, you know, it, it's the, what, what we ask for most consistently when it comes to Supergirl is that Supergirl, the TV show is about Supergirl, the character, like that she's the main character that she drives the plot, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, which doesn't seem unreasonable to me. Um, <laughs> but, but seems to like consistently be an issue, uh, with the show somehow, um, and I think that goes back to like what we talked about being the main, you know, the most important thing for a, a superhero show or I think any kind of adaptation of anything, which is that you get the heart of the characters. Um, and I think that there are, you know, there, there are people who watch watch things and they're really into the plot. And then there's people who watch things and they're really into the characters. I will watch uh, a show with a terrible plot like that really runs off the rails if I love those characters enough. Yeah. And I think... If you nail the characters, you can take people on some really weird journeys story-wise, and you can kind of mess up, and you can, you know, like some of my favorite shows, they're bad seasons, and I stick with it because I care about these people now, um, and I want to find out what happens to them. And I think that if you nail the characters, you can, you basically have your audience, you know, as long as you don't make them too mad. Um, and that's why I think, like, getting the heart of that character is important. Like you don't want to have a Supergirl who doesn't feel anything like Supergirl except for the name. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's like maybe distilling the characters down into like the most important parts of them. And then like, you know, actually building them up and actually having, you know, your main character, be the main character <laughs> so important <laughs> yeah we cannot emphasize that enough that is the most important uh situation or expectation that we have um but yeah i think going back to bvs because i talk about bvs all the time but it's such a good example for so many things um but the reason that i am willing to go with a little bit of a different interpretation of superman or batman is because i think that film you boil them down to their essences and they are those characters. Clark might sometimes doubt things. Sometimes he might be sad. Maybe he doesn't smile 24-7. But 
I, I can see his heart. I know what he cares about. I know that he cares about doing the right thing. And I know he cares about other people. And he, uh, you know, loves very strongly. And I think that's what Superman is. Superman is a character who wants to do the right thing all the time. And so for me, I'm willing to see you bend Superman a little bit. You can, you can bend him and challenge him in, in ways that maybe some other people are not comfortable with. But I'm okay with bending him a little bit as long as he always comes back to that main essence of who he, who he is as a character. I'm willing to go with a Batman who maybe has gone a little crazy and maybe he is killing some people. Maybe he is uh, a little too angry. But as long as I can see who Bruce Wayne is and understand his story and I can see that that guy in the end wants to be a hero and wants to do the right thing I'm willing to see you bend Batman a little bit so I think with these shows with these comic book shows as long as I can see who that and I think that's maybe a different for everybody like everybody has their own uh version of what they think the essence of Supergirl is for example you know, what makes Supergirl Supergirl? You ask 10 people, they might have 10 different answers. But I think um, if if you can really just at least get the generalities of those characters down, I think we're willing to go with pretty much anything. Um, so the next question is, uh, is comic accuracy necessary at all in the area of writing a good story? That's a good question. I guess no, honestly. I mean, I think that I would take a Supergirl story that didn't have any comic book, you know, stuff in it at all if it felt like it was a like a really interesting exploration of the character that centered Supergirl Supergirl if it was just their own thing and they were just like made up their own villains and I'd be fine with that as long as it was a good story. Yeah, that's always been my thing is I'm I'm willing to see you see your stories play out as long as it's a good story, as long as it's written well, as long as it looks good, as long as the acting is good. I'm willing to watch anything you do. Uh, the problem is sometimes just the writing is not good. Um, but I mean, we've we've hit on that many times. Um, but yeah, I don't think you necessarily have to have comic book elements into a comic book TV series for it to be good. It's just sometimes as a viewer, if you're a comic book fan, that's more rewarding because you feel more connected to it sometimes. But in terms of the actual question, no, I don't think comic book accuracy is necessary for something to be written well. That's that's not um, not at all necessary. You can still have something that, like you said, Morgan, it, it doesn't have any comic book elements, but it can still be a good story. And I think that like any interpretation of of anything if you're you know if you're interpreting a book or a movie or whatever like you can do a shot by shot remake and there might be something interesting in that but for the most part you know if i've it's like um somebody told me i haven't watched the new live action lion king yet but somebody told me it's like oh it's the animated version but live like with like ti- like tigers yeah like cgi tigers and i was like Oh, well, I saw the animated version, so I'm not going to be in any rush to, to watch that because I've seen it. And so if there's not any different twist on it or different interpretation, I'm not sure why it exists. So <laughs> I think that like, you know, um, with any of these comic book things, like I, I want to see what they're 
or what the new interpretation is because you know have a reason to exist outside of the actual source material like bring something to the table i think that is important but like you don't also you don't at the same time you don't have to throw out all of the source material to be like we're doing something new and like just flip it out the window <laughs> you should you could use it to draw on but um you should at least you should i think you should be bringing new things to the table like uh you know if we're looking at supergirl um and they were you know being strictly by the comics we wouldn't have alex danvers and that right. would, i mean what a shame that would be for the show and for all of us so i like that they you know that they brought some new things to the show they were like you know we want this to be a show about supergirl but we'd also like it to be a show about sisters and uh just to answer your question the live action lion king was made so that disney would make money that is oh uh, yes cha-ching cha-ching yeah <laughs> that is the sole reason for the purpose of that and I think that's a good point, though, because like when when you were talking about the live action versus animated uh, Lion King, I was thinking about Watchmen, which, look, I'm going to talk about Zack Snyder. It's just the thing that's going to happen. I know some people listening to this are like <laughs> groaning. And it's funny. I, I was I was also thinking about Watchmen because that was was very like um, that was very close to the comic book, if I remember right. Yeah. Um. And and so was parts of um, if I'm remembering right, Sin City. There were like um, things in that movie that were almost shot by shot from the Sin City comic books. But like, there is something different about taking the comic medium and like translating it to the screen in like a cool way that does I think bring something to the table. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because like when you when you because uh, the last time I looked at Watchmen, uh, we did a panel at Atlanta Comic Con last year. So while I was re-watching the film, I had the book open just to kind of reference the scenes. And the things that Zack Snyder did in the film really elevated. I know some people are like, that's blasphemous to say that he did things better in the film than, than in the book. But... There are things that the film brought to life that the book just can't physically on its own because it's on paper. It just doesn't have that that dimension to it. But I, I'm specifically thinking of the scene when Dr. Manhattan becomes Dr. Manhattan. There, It's there on the page. Like he took elements of the page and those panels, but it just springs into life in such an amazing way on the film that you just can't get on the page. So there are things that like, even even if you're adapting shot by shot, there are still gonna be things that you can innovate with, um, with, a, with a screen adaptation that honors the source material, but then elevates it to a, a greater degree that somehow is uh, being innovative and creative. So, um, so even a shot by shot doesn't have to be a shot by shot. I, I agree with that and like, um, I think that the, yeah, especially like when you're translating like a comic book medium on, into film, it's so different than like remaking an old, like, I guess that's what I get. Like when they remake an old movie and they don't, or an old TV show and it's just like the old TV show. And it's like, why does this exist? I can go watch the old version. Like <laughs> you're not bringing anything new, but like from, uh, you know, interpreting a book and turning that into a, TV show or a movie or interpreting a comic book, it's at least a different medium where every medium has different strengths. So you can kind of like 
Well, I imagine it that way in my head, but now that I'm seeing it on screen, it looks really cool and different. But like to the the Watchmen example, you have the you know the, the film, which is very you know that what the comic book was, and and you get to kind of see it like unfold in front of you. And then you had that HBO show, which was phenomenal, which was kind of a well, what would happen in that universe post Watchmen that kind of takes the framework of Watchmen and uses it to get into like a lot of themes and history and all of this really cool stuff which by just using the comic book. So there's so many different ways that you can kind of interpret a story um, that I think, you know, nothing is ever, you know, really necessary when you're coming to like, do you have to have this or do you have to have that? But um I, I, you know, it does kind of come down to, you know, the characters, like you have to have a good story, you have to have good characters. Yeah, I agree. I think that those basic elements really make or break um, the adaptation. And I guess since you mentioned that, um, New Rachel also asks a little bit different question. What makes adapting comics different from adapting other media? I guess we talked about that a little bit. But uh, but I guess there is a little bit of a difference. It's kind of interesting, like, when you talk about, like, adapting, say, like, a a book or a book series where it's like, well, I, I imagined it in my head, and it's not quite like that on the screen. But, like, okay, like, it's a different interpretation. But comics are like, well, I, I did see what it looked like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, I think there are some, a little bit of, like, challenges where, like, you've seen um in in the past where they've done castings on people where they don't look exactly like they do in the comic book and people flip out and it's like calm down it's fine <laughs> it's gonna be okay but i think it's because of that like visual element to comics where it's like well yeah but she has to have blonde hair it's like why <laughs> <laughs> is is the character otherwise good <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's why I think it was so funny when people got outraged over a Gal Gadot uh, being Wonder Woman um, because she didn't have that sort of you know a female bodybuilder look to her, and people were outraged because she didn't look like that. And it you just have to remember the people who cast these folks, they have a reason why they hired them. Like Zack Snyder was not looking at her physical appearance, although I mean. Her being beautiful probably played into that. Her being yes, like although her her being not not bad to look at probably didn't hurt. And also like she's like very good with the like the physical stunts and a very talented actress. Like yeah, exactly. I mean that there are. I mean she looks like Diana Prince. She looks like Wonder Woman. She might not have that physical build, but she has. She has those uh, characteristics of her that make her shine as as Wonder Woman, as Diana Prince. And so it's just funny. Like, now everyone loves her. Everyone loves her Wonder Woman. She's, she, like, everybody forgot about Linda Carter. God bless Linda Carter. But, every, you know, I mean, she's now, uh, Gal is the new Wonder Woman. So I just think it's funny that people sort of, like, forget about those things because they have such a an idea of what they want based on what they do see in the comics. Cause that is a, a very astute observation, Morgan, um, that that does make the difference because like, I remember I read the Harry Potter books uh, before I went to go see uh, the movies. Specifically, I remember having read the first book before I saw the first film. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, this looks exactly how I pictured it in my mind. 
I did not expect it to look so closely to what I had imagined because there was such a, a an attention to detail that Christopher Columbus put into those, specifically the first two films, um, that he he basically did a straight adaptation from the books, that it was so close that everything I read like came to life. So there is that different aspect of it. When you read a comic, you know what heat vision looks like. Yeah, exactly. You know what uh, Super Breath is going to look like and what it's going to do. You know what what the Fortress of Solitude might look like. You already have those expectations of it because you do see it in the comics. So that that is a good point that that's what makes it so different. I think it's probably like one of the things that makes it like a little bit challenging as far as people maybe being more accepting of of casting or more accepting of like costumes. Like, I mean, I think we can think all day of like when they, you know, announce a new superhero and they show the first shot and they're like, why is the costume like that? (laughs) It's because, you know, if you described it on the page, you see it in your mind and then you see something that looks different and you go, Oh, I guess I was like, that's their interpretation. Or maybe I was just picturing it, you know, differently. Um, but when you've seen it on the page and you're like, well, I know what it looks like and it doesn't look like that. <laughs> like, I think that's where, uh, you know, for writers and producers and things like that, it gets challenging people, you know, and, and people are really attached to comic book characters. I think the other thing about comic books, at least when we're talking about like the big two, like Marvel and DC that have those long histories mm. is that your fan base could have been reading it for 30 years, yeah. you know? And so they're... Uh, you're attached to those characters. They're protective of those characters. They see the, they see that the outfit is not not right, and and they're like, no, 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 that's not what my Supergirl wears. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. why would you have her in that? And it's not always coming from like, you know, an, an angry place because people don't like change. But sometimes it's coming from like a protective place where it's like, well, why would you put her in that? Like, that's not what she wears. Yeah. Have you talked? talk to her (laughs) this is my old friend you know I've been I've been reading her books for you know half my life or my whole life yeah that that's a really good point is that um the fan base is built in and it's very dedicated and people do get attached to those characters and rightfully so especially if they've been reading them for so long like you mentioned so I, I do think that that um makes a difference from uh you know maybe just adapting a a recently popular book or something like that uh, <laughs> that people are not going to have as as much uh, much of an expectation because it it hasn't had that time to it. Uh, but that's a really good point. I mean, DC Comics especially. I don't know much about the history about Marvel, but I mean, DC's been around since 1938, so that's I mean that's coming close. I mean, we're 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 getting to that 100 mark at some point. Uh, so that's a that's something that's been around for such a long time that you're you're bound to have expectations that come with it, unfortunately, for good or for ill. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I guess uh, the seventh question that New Rachel has is, who is the real target audience for these shows? And given that, and given that, and how unlikely the main CW demographic is to read comics, should the showrunners care about comic accuracy? So I think that a lot of people who watch these shows do read the comics. I think that, like, you're going to get your typical CW um, audience, which is, you know, maybe there for a little bit more of the drama and a little bit more. I think that's why we get so many, you know, 
frankly lackluster love stories in some of these shows because it's like kind of pasted on to the television show that like maybe the producers want to make and then they're like you gotta have something for you know for the tweens Uh, okay uh now she's got a boyfriend what's his deal i don't care no one cares uh so so i think that some of like honestly i think that's why some of the love stories in some of these cw um comic book shows are so like oh god do we need to watch this scene um because it's kind of there for like the cw audience that they think you know wants drama and wants you know love stories and wants all of this and all of that which i i'm not knocking as somebody who uh loved both pretty little liars and gossip girl (laughs) and will fight you about them Uh, (laughs) i'm not knocking the cw aesthetic it works because it works but um (laughs) but i don't think that that necessarily means that like they're not comic book fans because i i mean i think naturally if you're putting on a comic book show comic book fans are going to come to it. So I think that their, their audience is made up of both those people, the people who are, you know, watching whatever Riverdale is. Uh, <laughs> every time I see a, uh, every time I see a, like a what's happening on Riverdale, I'm like, there's a serial killer, but also a musical. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. God bless that show. Uh, whatever it is doing at this point in time. But uh, like, so there's those people. And then there's the people who are really into comics. And also when, you know, when Arrow started back in however long ago, like eight years ago, mm-hmm. it was kind of the only comic book show in the game at the point, at that point, there weren't really that many other comic book TV show- series. It's not like now when there are so many that when a new one premieres, I sigh sadly <laughs> to myself. I'm like, I don't know, no more. Uh, back then, back then it was like one of the few ones out there. So I think the Arrowverse just by like that, you know, circumstance of being one of the first ones in, like pulled the comic book people in. Like they were like, oh, well, I'm going to watch Arrow because it's a comic book show and it's on and there's nothing else. Yeah. And then as they've launched other shows, those same people who started with Arrow have now moved on to The Flash and Supergirl and Batwoman and all of the other shows. So I think it's kind of kept that audience. Obviously, that audience has a lot of options now. Uh, some could say too many, uh, <laughs> that would be me, but, uh, but I think that I, I do think that there's a lot of comic book people who watch these shows, especially considering that like, you know, sometimes you'll scroll down to a comment section of something and they're like, this didn't happen like that in the comics. And like, you're like, Oh no, the comic book people are here. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tough because I was willing to forgive Arrow with some of the uh, earlier flaws uh, in the the first two seasons because I was like, well, they're just trying to f- figure everything out. And uh, and then eventually when other shows started popping up and there was more competition for some of the, the comic bookiness, some of those other flaws started to seep through and when when they add <laughs> more and when they add more of the CW elements to it that sort of take precedence over the comic book stuff uh i'm thinking of the time that they go to uh Nandapar Bat uh, i'm trying to I, th- I think it was to resurrect speedy from the Lazarus pits and that's the the first time that Oliver and Felicity have sex she drugs him <laughs> at Nandapar Bat, 
and they what? have this really they have this really what like happened on that show <laughs> i just remember feeling like uncomfortable watching it because i just thought is this this feels pornographic to me this scene it, it was very i would not have wanted to watch it with like a, a young kid uh because it just was so inappropriate you know for the for the time slot and some of the things that were going maybe maybe i'm a prude maybe i totally am um but that was just one of those moments where that delineation between the cw aspect of it and the comic book aspect of it really did not gel like you had the nanda parbat element there you had the lazarus pits there was a comic book element but the precedence was, oh my gosh, Oliver and Felicity are having sex. Like that was the precedent. It was not. <laughs> it was not the storytelling aspect of, hey, they're doing this cool thing where they went to the Lazarus pits, and that's a big deal in DC Comics. So it it's hard sometimes because I think they try to balance it as much as they can, but it's never going to be balanced. One of those sides is always going to take precedence, um, and so it's just uh, a matter of which one do they feel is more important so uh sometimes it works better than other times um i think i think supergirl tries to honor both the comic book elements and the comic book fans and the cw uh demographic and the people <laughs> who who try to um kind of put up with the comic book elements but sometimes it just for me, at least, sometimes I, I think the CW aspects uh, t take more of a priority than anything else. Yeah, like, like for instance, um, there was so much good stuff in season three. And then uh, Monel comes back with a wife <laughs> and is still, is still has something going on with Kara. Because, of course, you need that love story in there. It's like there's rain and there's all this and Argo and blah, blah, blah. But don't worry. Monel is here. So now we need a love story. I remember there was one episode. I think it was like both you and I were so irritated because she goes back to Argo. And this should be a big emotional story for Kara. This planet that she thought was, you know. Her civilization her survived. Her civilization had survived. Her mother was alive. Her best friend was alive and getting a gazebo. <laughs> and uh, and she spent the entire episode like making googly eyes at Monel. And that is when the CW uh, aspect of the show like rears its head and just takes over. Uh, and it can be quite jarring. And that's that's when the season of that that uh, that part of that season started to falter. That was that was around the time that that because season three had been awesome. I mean, it was just like it had been awesome firing on all cylinders. And then at that point in the season, it started to go downhill. And I think when you don't prior prioritize character and story and you sacrifice it for that kind of that soapy uh, dramatic stuff, which I, lo I love soaps. Uh, but when mm -hmm. you but when you force something into that story it's it's hard to overcome that and it's funny because like in season three they didn't exactly adapt the world killers as they are in the comic books but they were were awesome because the stories were good the characters were good we loved grace grace doesn't exist in the comics grace but i loved grace she wanted to be so evil she didn't care 
Um, and I loved that about her. Uh, so there were things about that season that uh, I was willing to sacrifice some of the comic book book elements of it because some of the, the choices that they made were really good, but then they sacrificed some of the comic book elements for things that weren't really good. So it is one of those things where I think as long as you prioritize good storytelling and good character beats, that can pretty much um, save any situation. Um, Agreed. Okay, so the last question that New Rachel uh, asks is, why do you think some fans take comic accuracy so seriously, especially in the DC fandom, where there are literally canonical infinite alternate Earths and thus infinite possibilities for how characters can be portrayed? Uh, Morgan, do you have an answer for that? I don't really know. Yeah, some people are just kind of obsessed with it. I, I mean, personally, I don't care that much about it. I think, again, I think one of the fun things about comic books is that if you don't like one interpretation, you just sit right there and another one's coming to you pretty soon and you might like that one better. Um, so I, 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 don't, I don't know why people get so, um, so wrapped up in it. You would think that comic book fandom in particular would prime you to be like, well, this one's not my cup of tea, moving on. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case. I'm just saying you would think that that would be the case. Like you would think that like after reading like 500 different versions of a Batman story or a Supergirl story or something, but that you would, um, you would be okay with like, Oh, this, this interpretation is not to my taste, but like I've had, you know, five other versions that I love. So I'll just, I'll just wait until something better aligns and comes up because the way things have been going, especially like, don't worry, there'll be another comic book show for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is true. Uh, The thing that disappoints me about Supergirl specifically is that this show came many decades after Supergirl the movie, which by all accounts, most people think was a a failure. They think it's not a good film. Um, And then they took a a chance on having a, a complete TV series based around the character. Now, she did pop up in Superman the Animated Series and in JLU and in uh smallville but she was just kind of a guest character on those shows she wasn't the main character so for me making a tv show about supergirl that was a big leap for them to take and uh the fact that now we're getting a superman show that's coming off the heels of supergirl with superman and lois my concern and my my worry, and I try not to worry too much because worrying adds nothing to your life, but um, when Supergirl ends, I don't know that we're going to get another Supergirl series. I don't know that that's ever going to happen. There's always going to be a Superman show. Always. It's just, there's there have been Superman shows since the 1950s. You had the George Reeves series. You had the Superboy uh, stuff. You had Lois and Clark. You had Smallville. You have Superman and Lois now. You had the animated stuff. There's just always going to be a Superman show. But I don't know that there's always going to be a Supergirl show. So my concern is it is that they are going to putz around and putz around and putz around and not make Supergirl stories. And then it's going to end... And then we're going to be left with a show that had Supergirl in it, 
but didn't really tell Supergirl's stories. And so I think that for me, and I know I'm kind of <laughs> venturing off of the question that new Rachel asked, but I guess that's why I take the show so seriously and why I care so much about uh, the comic book accuracy is that I want to see a show that's telling Supergirl stories, not necessarily just a show that has Supergirl in it or just a show that might be a substitute for a Superman show. I want to see Supergirl stories. And for me, that means taking elements of Supergirl's mythology from, you know, I mean, she dates all the way back to 1959. So there's decades upon decades of story that you could pull from. And it's disappointing to me that they're not taking advantage of this time to tell these stories. And like you said, I mean, there are many different types of Supergirl stories. I mean, uh, some of my, you know, I'm the Silver Age has its, you know, its its ups and downs. But like some of my favorites, my uh favorite Supergirl comic uh, storytelling um, time periods are like the adventure comics. I love reading the Supergirl adventure comics. Uh, those are so fun. They're wacky stories, but they also, some of them have some really mature themes. I love the Peter David run that's so wacky and it's so off the wall. And it's like, really? Supergirl is like half of a satanic cult member? What? What is this? <laughs> but it's great. So I think there are things that um, I take it so seriously because I don't want them to lose the opportunity to tell Supergirl stories. And that's my concern is that we're going to we're going to leave the show. The show's going to end and we're going to look back and we're going to be like, well, they did a season about immigration so there was that. There was that famous Supergirl story. And then they did a season about VR stuff where they where they tackled technology for some reason. Finally, technology. We're going to look back and we're going to be like, so what was the story of Kara Zor-El? What was the story of Kara Danvers? And I don't know if I'm going to have an answer for you by the end of the series. I guess we'll have to revisit this when the show has its series finale. Will we be able to look back on it and say, this show really did this for the, the character of Kara? And that's, that's why I take it so seriously is because I want to look back on the show and see what this series, what these, you know, five, six, seven seasons, however many seasons it becomes, that it's going to say something about the character of Supergirl. What did this show do for the character of Supergirl that didn't exist before um, before it aired? So I don't know if that answers your question, New Rachel, uh, but I guess I'm just airing my, my concerns. <laughs> <laughs> just airing them out. Um, uh, because for me, with Supergirl especially, I mean, there's... Uh, the reason I'm okay with... Um, so many inter uh, different interpretations of Superman. You talk about infinite alternate Earths. Like I'm okay with a with an angry, you know, injustice Superman. I could I could watch that story. I could read that story. I'm okay with a with a Silver Age Superman. I'm okay with a you know post crisis mullet haired Superman. You know, I'll go with any kind of Superman that you're going to give me because there's always going to be a different Superman story. But with Supergirl. 
the show might be all we get. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get that Supergirl movie. I don't know if that's ever going to come up, you know, off, off, off the ground. Um, so that's, that's my concern is that, yes, there are infinite alternate Earths, but how many of those are going to be Supergirl stories? Historically, there's no reason to think that we're just going to like, a, there's always going to be a Supergirl, you know, live action property around the corner like there is for Superman or Batman and you know those characters that get revived every you know six months or whatever <laughs> um so so this could be our shot at it for like for years maybe um so yeah yeah I, I would love them to do to do more with it I don't, I don't want to waste this chance that we have to do Comet the Super Horse and Director Bones this may yeah. be our only chance. This could be it. <laughs> I just don't want them to waste it. Um, so anyway, I think those questions are really great questions, New Rachel. Thank you for sending them in. Sorry that it took us so long to get to them. Um, but I think now, even uh, after so many months of you know watching season five, I think these are questions that are still ongoing and still relevant to what we're watching and uh, I think these are questions that we could ask, you know, anybody watching a comic book ad adaptation, not necessarily just of Supergirl, the TV series on the CW, but uh, it's a good question to be had um, in uh, different media. So uh, thank you for sending those in. And thank you for uh, opening up a conversation about this, because I think it's something that, you know, we could definitely address. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to dive into some listener feedback that we have now. Um, so uh, I'm glad we're still getting listener feedback, even though Supergirl's <laughs> been off for, oh God, I just looked at like my wrist that has no watch on it. So just... <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's been so many. I feel like the old lady at the end of Titanic. It's been 84 years. Oh, it's been so long. Um, so we, uh, the first email that we got is from Bran who writes, in reference to the home con bathroom discussion, the first Supergirl scene shot in a bathroom was Kara and Nia in blood memory. There's also the scene where Nia sees Kelly having a panic attack in dangerous liaisons and a brief scene when Nia tries to clear her head at the club in reality bites. These scenes are actually an astounding example of Supergirl being subtle. Many shows with transgender characters have a scene where the trans person uh, gets beat up for using the, uh, the bathroom or locker room. Nicole Maines first made the news for challenging anti-trans bathroom walls. Uh, to trans people like me, it's a really big deal for using the right bathroom not to be a big deal. Uh, so that's really cool. That's not something that I, I had actually thought about, uh, that they just sort of casually show her um, in these scenes in in the bathrooms and don't make it um don't make it a big deal because she has had i guess i i don't remember them quite so much but I, I i do kind of vaguely now remember scenes of her and like Kara talking when was kelly having a panic attack i'm trying to remember that now but i do i i remembered a scene with nia and kelly in the restroom and i could not remember what that was what was dangerously liaisons the problem with season, because I think that's a season five episode. These season five episodes, like they have these kind of generic episode titles that don't really remind you what the episode was about. Um, so this was the episode, I think, that um, did the backstory of William and his friend Russell. What did that have to do with Kelly, though? <laughs> Good Kelly. question. 
Uh, Kelly and Alex celebrate an anniversary, but Alex's safety oh, is in jeopardy. Okay, now I remember. So it, that Kelly had the um the panic attack because of her like her history and being really afraid of that going to like get herself killed essentially thank you for the reminder about those uh those bathroom scenes since that was part of the discussion and uh for what that might mean for the character of nia that's a really good point um well do do i wrote in to ask quote i have one question my brother told me that season five is the last one because melissa benoist is pregnant he read about it on facebook but i can't find any authentic news items about it unquote well uh your brother might have read about it on Facebook, but I don't know where he would have gotten that information. Shockingly, Facebook, not a reliable source. <laughs> um, <laughs> season five, as far as we know, is not the last season of the show. Uh, as far as I know, season six, it's been re- it's been renewed for season six. And uh, at some point, whenever the COVID-19 stuff uh, wraps up, we will get a new season of the show. It might be a little delayed. Uh, I anticipate it being like uh, a, a mid-season uh, premiere, possibly, instead of a fall season show. Yeah, because I think they had a plan in place to deal with Melissa's pregnancy that this whole thing might have thrown quite a bit of a wrench in. So we might not get it at the usual time, but it is coming. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely plans for season six. Um, even the the ladies on the home con panel, uh, Ozzy, Julie, Nicole, and um, Andrea talked about how the writers have actually already told them about their character arcs for season six. So season five is not the last one. The, uh, the demise of the Supergirl TV series is greatly exaggerated. Uh, so look forward to more Supergirl. Um, uh, we'll let you know on here on Supergirl Radio if the show ever does uh, end. Uh, we're 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 gonna let you know. Don't don't think that that's gonna be something that uh, passes us by. <laughs> that will be <laughs> that will be big news, and we will definitely talk about it. That'll be one news item we will cover. <laughs> um, so we got a tip. This is a this is an amazing uh, an amazing section we're gonna dive into. <laughs> we got a tip from New Rachel about a Tumblr called uh, it's called WinterSkyWrites.tumblr.com. Who wrote? A Kara and William as Comet fanfic. It's amazing. Uh, she she also passed us on a piece of uh, a gorgeous piece of fan art of Kara with Comet the super horse. It really looks uh, it really looks like otherworldly. She's just like standing in a mist. There's <laughs> water everywhere. She's got her cape on her hand, and Comet's like, "What up, girl?" Behind her, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we and we should point out that it's a white horse. It is a white horse. It's a comic book act. Um, and that's from misslane.tumblr.com. So you should definitely go check that out. Uh, incredible. There's also another fan fiction of Carr and William um, as Comet the Super Horse. This one at uh, L, um, lmayarafest.tumblr.com. Um, I love that as a genre, this is taking off. And, and I think it's important to keep the ball rolling on this. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's amazing to me that the theory that Dustin came up with which was sort of an extension of my need to get Josh Henderson on the show to complete Dallas Bingo uh Supergirl Dallas Bingo uh that this is now turned into a creative enterprise for people 
uh, and a creative outlet to write these stories. And uh, that makes me so happy. And uh, I, 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 I don't know, Morgan, should, should we read them? I, I feel like a dramatic reading might be in order. They're both pretty short. They're both G-rated. Don't worry, people. <laughs> people, I, I had I had a, a Danny from Gay Girl, Girls Watch was telling me that one time her boss like walked into her office while she was listening to Supergirl Radio. And it was like <laughs> right as we were talking about how cars should date a horse. <laughs> and her boss was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so for anyone who's uh, concerned about that, don't worry. These, these fan fictions. Safe for work. So which one should we start with? Or should we? Or should we alternate? Like who who reads what? Should one of us read William and the other one read Cars dialogue? Yeah, because I don't know. Because some of it's like narration, and then there's some where it's Cars dialogue, and then uh, Williams. I don't. Maybe like one of us should take one of these, and one of us should read the other one. All right. So uh, this is um, this is coming from uh, I think. I think this is winterskywrites.tumblr.com. Yeah, this one is, yeah, winterskywrites.tumblr.com. And it was based off of a a prompt from, it looks like somebody called Light-Miracles. So so let's just dive in. Cara knows, of course, how image inducers work. She's friends with Brainy, after all. And he uses one most of the time. And she knows they can make people or creatures look truly, incredibly different. She's met a dragon who uses one to look like a Komodo dragon. Anything after that, one would think, wouldn't be too surprising. (laughs) One would be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Strong intro. Um, Finding finding out that William is a horse. William is a horse? (laughs) It's still... Very, very surprising. Uh, you're a horse, Kara says, which she knows is obvious, but is still, she feels, something that needs to be said. Uh, <laughs> William turns his image inducer back on and goes back to looking like his usual human self. But that doesn't erase Kara's memory. I'm sorry, he says softly. I should have told you. <laughs> How? Kara asks, (laughs) staring at him. How are you? I don't even know how to finish that question. Just explain everything to me, please. I was a centaur in ancient Greece. You know what? Never mind. Don't explain it. Kara interrupts. (laughs) Her head is already spinning from just that one sentence, (laughs) and she doesn't think she needs to hear anymore. Oh God. <laughs> um, I turn into a human every time a comet passes through the solar system, William says, which is unfortunately not the craziest thing Carr has ever heard in her life. <laughs> but then the comet passed and I still wanted to be with you. So I got an image inducer. I should have just explained, but I was afraid it would ruin things. Well, Carr can relate to that. And while she may be humanoid, she did lie to William about her species before, too. Technically, she's no more human than he, than he is. Look, she says, uh, she finally says, this may be weird, but I don't think there's any reason, reason we can't make it work. <laughs> <laughs> William's face lights up. Really? Why not at least try? William beams at her. I love you. Kara smiles back. I love you, too. 
a thought occurs to her and she adds, let's maybe not tell anyone else about this. <laughs> At least not yet. William nods. Whatever you want, which is good because it's going to take Carr a while to figure out how to tell people that she's dating a horse. <laughs> that was um, incredible. Amazing. You really brought Kara's um, uh, indignation. Is that the, is that the right <laughs> word? Um, I, I think you really captured uh, that aspect of Kara in this story. I really appreciate that. Really great. Oh my god. I love people. Um, okay, so this is the fanfic from, I think, at El Mayara Fest. Kara's hands shook as she approached him. She knew she had to in order for their relationship to go any further. Being honest with him was the only possibility. And even though things with them were casual right then, who knew how serious they might get? If he was going to be put in danger just because he knew her, wasn't it better if he was aware of who she really was? She didn't want this to turn out like the situation with her and Lena where their friendship got too deep and Lena felt betrayed, even if Kara had reasons not to trust her and reasons that she wouldn't tell her. She wasn't going to betray anyone else. And besides, he was more than willing to put himself in danger just to get to the truth. He was brave and smart and resourceful, and a dedicated reporter. He was her friend as both Kara and Supergirl, and he had the right to know that they were one and the same. William, she said. Hey, Kara, he answered, giving her the smile she was getting used to seeing more of as of late. Um, so, Kara cleared her throat before continuing. Between you and me, I haven't been entirely honest with you, and I just thought that I should get everything out in the open so that things between us can be clear. Oh, there's an us now? William asked. Kara nodded. Hopefully after this, she, she said, still nervous. Great, he told her, because I have something to tell you too about myself. Really? Kara asked. Well, then in that case, I think we should just... Say what we have to say at the same time. All right? Sounds good to me. Okay, one, two. Car breathed in, then out. I'm, I'm a horse. Wait, you're, you're what who? <laughs> William laughed, deactivating the image inducer he wore for a second before returning to the face she knew. This is going to be a long night. I think it's really interesting that the two of these interpretations both used image inducers. I like it. It's a, it's a really easy way for them to make that work. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, listen, I'm not saying that they've cracked this whole thing, <laughs> but I am saying we have read some some really fantastic fiction tonight. Uh, I think the podcast just became more of like a like a literary podcast. <laughs> so since we have enjoyed these fanfics so much, maybe we should have a competition for uh, fanfic submissions. Um, we'll we'll have to work out some details. Uh, but Morgan, what do you think? We could pick like some some winners maybe that we dramatically read on the podcast. <laughs> 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 then we just then we just have the one podcast that's like basically like story time hour. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Story I, time. I, I love this idea. Oh my! Uh, those those um those William Comet stories were so funny. I mean, I want like a million more to read. Okay, so um, I have seen because I occasionally will do these uh, searches on the internet where I'm like. Are there Comet the Superhorse toys? And I think <laughs> I think there is like a Comet the Superhorse 
like not a pop Funko, but something that looks kind of like that. So maybe, maybe we could give a Comet or Super Pet related toy to a winner. Um, so I guess maybe we should prompt people with a scenario or at least um, something that, you know, like a guideline. Like maybe it has to be, yeah. it has to be G rated. I don't want to read anything like that involving Comet the Super Horse. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep my brain free from that. I think it has to uh, definitely be um, William is Comet the Superhorse. That has to be in there somewhere. It could, I mean, I would enjoy it if it involved Kara uh, because we talk all the time about how Kara doesn't get storylines. But if you want to put another character into the scene, you can do that. I think, I think it should be. I okay. mean, I feel like I could also do like, um, you know, if you wanted to do Day in the Life. Of, of Comet the Superhorse where he's like he's out in a field eating grass and then like the wristwatch that's on his little <laughs> one of his legs beeps and he's like gotta get into the office and then he like clomps across the field and then like turns on his image inducer and then like brings her coffee like I, I would I don't know like what does he get up to when he's just being a horse around town I could I could read that too so maybe I guess the idea is that you're just writing a story about William being Comet the super horse so we're not going to put any other restrictions on you for what story you want to tell it just has to be from the idea that that William is Comet we're going into the William as Comet theory i think we should probably put a maximum length if we want to read them on the podcast i think we're not gonna listen if you if this is the beginning of your opus that is <laughs> your, your your novella of william uh as comet the super horse i don't want to stop you i want to read it eventually but we cannot read it on the podcast so i think we need a like a word limit <laughs> the one i read was 300 I think the one I read was probably on the outside of how long we wanted to be. Like, I mean, like it, it could be a little longer than what, than that one. Let's see. Open it, open to word, and dump it in. Let's see how many. Oh my god, this is why I never use this program. <laughs> um, so this guy, yeah, is three hundred and seventy-eight. So I'd say somewhere between three hundred and five hundred is probably our sweet spot. Like maybe, yeah, I think. 500 would only be like an extra like half of a page okay so so maximum word count 500 words yes uh has to be g-rated and then <laughs> that's very important to both of us that is super <laughs> important uh and then it has to be the only real storytelling um rule is that it has to have in there somewhere that william is comet the super horse uh, so you can you can play around with what what story you want to tell, which characters you want to put in there with him. Um, do we want to keep it just to the Supergirl TV series, or can people insert uh, like you know Streaky the Super Cat or Crypto the Super Dog in there? Should we keep it just I Supergirl? It to, I think it has to take place in the Supergirl TV show universe, but Streaky has showed up in the Supergirl TV show universe. So like, I think you can also, if you say, listen, if you want to suck up and say director bones shows up 
as long as like he's William and he's a cat co reporter and he's also a super horse as he is in the show. Both of those things are true. Okay. Uh, I think I think I'm okay with it. Like you can bring in elements from the comics as long as it takes place in the universe of the TV show. Okay. I I think that I think that seems fair. So let's let's pre- <laughs> let's pretend that we're writing a, a scene where uh, William is Comet in the show. And let's yes. let's take it from that perspective. And then let your imagination run wild. Yeah. Like like Comet, the super horse. So let's say um, by the end of May, so you have until May 31st to write uh, your William as Comet uh, fanfic. And we will take the submissions uh, to supergirlradio.gmail.com. And then I guess Morgan will, will pick a winner uh of our our, yeah. our favorite and we'll read all of them on the podcast we'll have a story time episode where we just read nothing <laughs> but william as comet the super horse fanfics it's gonna be so good <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll pick one winner and that one winner uh winner will uh receive uh some kind of super pet uh merchandise i like it do we want to like um maybe like pick um like a charity or something and like give a certain amount of money i'm i'm down for that so should we say i don't know five dollars per every submission yeah i think that's reasonable my friend monica suggested uh she sent me a very specific emory um covid19 impact fund yeah because that's what i was thinking because like especially if like for the our charity show we stick with with rain which i think is probably is probably good um yeah then this way we can also do a little bit of like fundraising for for COVID and also like I've been meaning to to donate somewhere to like donate some stuff and uh just haven't gotten around to it yet because I've been so swamped so this would be a good way to prompt me and also and then uh, as a as a bonus I get something back okay because I get to to read all of these insane what I'm sure are going to be insane stories that we get okay so oh, yeah this looks good so here's the thing so if uh if you do write in a 300 to 500 word fanfic about William being Comet the Super Horse. Uh, every submission, uh, we, every submission that we get, we will donate $5 to the Emory COVID-19 Impact Fund. Um, uh, my friend Monica works with uh, Emory uh, in Atlanta, and she uh, suggested that um, they have a really good uh, response for um the COVID-19 pandemic and it would go straight to medical needs uh, that Emory might have. So uh, every submission that we get, we're going to donate $5 to. And um, I guess I guess we'll just see how things come in, how, how many people send them in. And uh, then we will read all submissions on the podcast and then we will pick one. And then that person that we pick uh, we'll send you a super pet uh, merchandise of sorts. <laughs> and but, but I think the real bonus is going to be the sense of victory that you feel uh, when when we pick your story. Um, you will maybe you will feel like galloping, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we'll try we'll try to maybe spice it up and make it uh, really, um, really interesting and fun to listen to. Uh, Maybe we could invite some friends to help us read the stories. You know what? I 
I bet, I bet you I could get Amy to do this. Oh my she's gosh. A, she's, done, she's done like, like dramatic readings before for like stuff, like, um, like, what's it called? Like audiobooks. Like she's done submissions for audiobooks before. So this is like right up her alley. I bet she would do it. I think we should uh, invite maybe some of our uh, fakest friends. I think, uh, I think oh, we can, yeah, I think we can get some people to do some dramatic readings and send them in. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think, uh, I think we can make this happen. So, um, by the end of May, May 31st is your cutoff, uh, to send us in a 300 to 500 word, uh, William as Comet, the super horse fanfic, uh, the only, uh, regulations or the only rules that we have, they gotta be G rated. And they have to be uh, about Comet being William's. Uh, w- they have to be about William being a Comet <laughs> the Super Horse, and you've got to get it in by May thirty first. Uh, sending it to at uh, at supergirlradio@gmail.com. Uh, so this is a good way to raise some money for um, some COVID nineteen relief, and this is also a way that you could win a super cool uh, super pets. Uh, piece of merchandise that we will pick out and uh you can get in the mail bragging rights too and bragging (laughs) rights and you'll get some quality entertainment uh from from our dramatic readings and maybe some friends that we bring along uh for the ride uh and ride is the pun is intended (laughs) well i think that's going to do it for this episode of supergirl radio if you would like to contact us you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com if you'd like to leave us a voicemail you can call us at 678-718-7252 and make sure to write in and call before tuesdays at 6 30 p.m eastern you can also like us on facebook and follow us on twitter and instagram all at supergirl radio we do some supergirl live live streams occasionally uh been trying to do them sunday afternoon so uh put that on your radar if you like to hang out on instagram you can listen to us on google play iHeartRadio, spotify uh where we also have a spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the show we are also featured on radio public and pod chaser and we are on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we're available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And you can find the links to everything I just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now we throw it over to Ashley for the DC TV plugs. <music> If Supergirl Radio fills your heart with glee, then follow the network for DCTV. Don't fail this city, you've got to hear Quiver, where Amanda and Mike will always deliver. Then run along and check out The Flash, Andy and friends make quite the splash. Don't forget the legends like they all forgot Rip. These ladies would never jax you to the time ship. Then join Clement and Nate in the incredible Brit, for Black Lightning's podcast where we all get lit. We come to iZombie, which is very alive, except maybe after the end of Season 5. Our newest addition to our CW crew is the Batwoman podcast ready for you. We jump over to Sci-Fi, a whole different channel, to check out Krypton way before our bro Kal-El. Then there's DC Universe so we can all stream. The awesome show Titans, we're only summer teens. And if you love the oldies, may I recommend classic DC TV. Honestly, 10 out of 10. That's it, I hope. Please, Andy, good night. But 
I would make an exception for Young Justice, all right? Check out DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and Twitter. And eventually, uh, we're going to do the DC TV uh, plug contest. I'm still trying to make sure that we nail down uh, the actual official list of shows that we will have. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, if you want to follow me, you can do that on Instagram at the Derby Kid, and you can find a lot of the video content that I uh, create and generate for UA Museums over at our YouTube channel, UA Museums. Uh, it's uh, just go to YouTube right now and just search for UA, uh, standing for the University of Alabama Museums. Uh, if, once we get to that 100 subscribers. Uh, I can change the URL so I can actually tell you a URL when I do this uh, plug. But for right now, you just have to go in and search for UA Museums. But we've got a lot of like cool uh, history stuff, a lot of uh, natural history, some educational content for kids. Um, so just to plug my work stuff, because I'm actually really proud of what we've been um putting out there lately we've done a lot of really cool educational um and fun content yeah i'm enjoying i'm enjoying it so i would highly recommend <laughs> i'd say hit that subscribe button there's some there's some good stuff on there i'm, I'm learning <laughs> i like the uh, the videos you guys have been doing like things i've observed while like you know on quarantine like where you're just like walking around and it's like a bug <laughs> And then it's like, that's about the bug. I, I've been loving that. <laughs> I, I've been learning a lot about my neighborhood. Uh, and I've become a lot more bug friendly than I used to be. Um, I'm like, oh, there's a wasp there. I'll uh, get near it. That sounds fine. Uh, so <laughs> so, uh, so those are actually really fun. So if, if you are interested in those kinds of videos, uh, we call them isolation observations. Uh, where we uh, look at nature uh, through the lens of being in quarantine. So uh, thank you for watching those videos and for the uh, the kind words. I appreciate that. No problem. You're putting yourself in harm's way with those wasps. <laughs> the least we can do is subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. And you can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which we're recording this on a Tuesday night. Legends came back tonight. Oh. So that's exciting. Uh, so we are going to have a new podcast episode for you uh, sometime soon. <laughs> we're recording this week. That is very exciting. Well, at least someone has a show that has come back. <laughs> exactly. I'll take anything. I think The Flash also um, has come back tonight as we record this. It's funny. It's like when I need TV the most, it's abandoned me. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, these are these are weird, weird times, and the TV schedule is very strange. But uh, we'll just uh, take it when it comes. So that's, that's cool. Well, I hope you enjoy the new Legends episodes, and I will look forward to uh, listening to the episode of the podcast. And I just want everyone to know who listens to Supergirl Radio that there was an episode that Morgan was on from uh, Gay Gals Watch where they talked about the TV shows they had been watching uh, during quarantine. <laughs> And one of them they talked about was Love is Blind. And because I am a big fan of Morgan Glennon and I wanted to listen to that episode, <laughs> uh, that podcast episode, I watched Love is Blind and it's all Morgan's fault. I've never felt more honored by a sacrifice <laughs> another person has made for me. <laughs> um, my, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I won doubly 
because you watch Love is Blind, but also because you uh, you got to like live text me your reaction. <laughs> so you know, it was like I was like looked down at my phone and it'd be like, Barnett, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> we got to talk about the mystery that is Jessica. <laughs> The things you've seen now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So because I wanted to listen to a podcast episode that you were on, and I still need to go back and actually rewatch or re-listen to the whole thing um, because I, I stopped at the Tiger King part because I'd watched Tiger <laughs> King and I had to stop because I had not watched Love is Blind. So uh, take it as a compliment that I wanted to enjoy that episode and the conversation that you had with uh, um the ladies at Gay Gals Watch that I wanted to actually watch the content to see what all the hype was about. It is such a wild ride. And and if you too have watched Tiger King and Love is Blind and you're like, boy, no one will talk to me about these things. And I, and I wish I could, I could talk to somebody about whether or not that lady fed her husband to a tiger. <laughs> you should check out the episode. Uh, I was lucky enough to guest star on, um, for the gay gals watch podcast. Cause we really just break all these shows down. These quality, these quality, like, um, future Emmy award winning programs down. <laughs> I remember you telling me on the pot on Supergirl radio about love is button. And I think the concept of it and, uh, <laughs> it's uh it's truly truly mind-boggling um because it's one of those things where you watch it as an outsider and you're like oh i can see all the flaws here there are so many holes <laughs> in this relationship they have so many issues they got to work out it's like red flag the television series <laughs> and you can see all of these problems but they don't see them they haven't gotten there yet and then they get there and it's a big blowout it's <laughs> it's people walking away from from the uh, the wedding that they have in three weeks, it's <laughs> it's it's insane. At no point do any of these people go, you know, this is a little bit crazy. Maybe we shouldn't do this. <laughs> what if we just dated each other like normal people? What if we just went out to an Applebee's? <laughs> this never happens. I, I would be so ticked because I've been a bridesmaids in some friends' weddings and. I would be so mad if somebody was like, all right, you're going to have to get up early. You're going to have to buy this expensive bridesmaid's dress. You're going to have to get all dolled up. And then you're going to have to sit around and wait for a whole while and like take your whole Saturday to do this wedding, knowing you're going to get up there and say no. <laughs> I would be so mad if I was one of their friends. Uh, my favorite was when they would like pan over to their family and friends and they would look the energy level in those in those air quotes weddings was the 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 most like low energy wedding I've ever <laughs> seen in my whole life. Everybody looked like they were, like had just showed up to like a free seminar to like win a trip. And they <laughs> just they just had to like they just had to like sit through the presentation and they could finally go. <laughs> Oh, it was rough. I just, I just was like, why would you go through all that knowing you would go up there and say, I don't, I'm, I'm not doing this. I think, I think the most important question, the question that's been on my mind, season two of Love is Blind, when it, when it comes out, are you watching? There should not be a season two of that show. <laughs> this, this is an experiment. But you know there will be. <laughs> the, the only way I would watch... I know this has become Love is Blind Radio, 
But uh, the only way I would watch a season two of that show is if they really leaned into the Love is Blind thing. Because I think we did talk before about how they they try to make it Love is Blind, but all of the people on the show are beautiful. Yeah, everyone's conventionally attractive. Yes. So it's not like you even have any, like, normal-looking, average-looking people. Like, there's nobody's, like, overweight or ugly Everyone is the fairly attractive. Like nobody's even like awkward looking. Everybody's like conventionally attractive. The only one I was always like eh, was uh, and this is me being judgy, but like Cameron had a very elongated neck, and that was like <laughs> the only weird thing about him. He was still like re- really fit and attractive, but he just kind of had a, an unusually long neck. That was kind of it. But uh, the only way I would watch a season two is if they had, like, just normal people on there. Or maybe, like, mixed in some normal people with some really, like, attractive people. See, I think that would really, like, test the premise of yes. the show. There would be like, stakes. The premise of the show is supposed to be, like, if you make an emotion, a deep emotional connection to per- a person, does it matter what they look like? But then you come out and you're like, oh, they're super hot. <laughs> awesome and everybody did that we're like i think everybody kind of thought like oh this experiment is going to be to see how shallow we are and then like the the like the doors would open and they'd be like oh they're hot yeah like yeah you would every time leave. <laughs> every time and so like i think next season that's what they should do to mix it up they should just like they should put some normal people in there <laughs> i mean not even like ugly people just normal people yeah, just normal. you don't just like a normal looking person <laughs> i mean i i mean i personally if i was somebody running the show i'd be like well let's get some maybe unattractive people here and really test the premise raise the stakes a little bit <laughs> exactly but even just normal people that would be good too so that's the only that's the only reason i'm, I'm watching a season two nice I like that we have pitches for Love is Blind as well. It's not just Supergirl. We could fix any show. We have <laughs> the ability to take your show and the bad things about it. We could, we could just turn it around. We're going to fix it for you. Yes, we're like, we're like consultants. <laughs> we should hire ourselves out to TV shows and make it available. We could fix it. We could be your fixers. Come to us <laughs> with your problems. We will fix your show. But nobody, uh, nobody asks us about that. Nick and uh, Vanessa Lachey? They're not. <laughs> They're not calling us up. I will say Love is Blind made me miss Atlanta. Oh, yeah. I could see that. It looks like a cool city. Yeah. I lived there for 14 years and watching watching it made me miss it because I'm not there anymore. But they were in kind of uh, the really fancy part of uh, Atlanta. They were in the Midtown area. So that's a little more um, upscale, a little more uh, trendy, that, that kind of area. So like not even the not even the the premise of them going and getting an apartment and all that kind of stuff not even that was normal. It was like they were in like the ritzy <laughs> part of town with these really expensive apartments. So I was like, oh my gosh, they've got it so easy. <clears throat> so uh, and they still had problems and people were still of course ugly to each other. It's like, come on, boy, Jessica, don't get me started on Jessica. I can't with her. (laughs) Don't get me started on what she did to poor Mark. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, 
So there's that. So love is blind. That's where things are in my quarantine situation. <laughs> Having said all of that, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And never give up hope for director Bones and Nasty Luther. The comic book accuracy could be coming. Oh,